This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. The following presentation of the Midland City Council will begin in a moment. The Midland City Council is the city's legislative body that sets policies, approves budgets, determines tax rates, and adopts ordinances and resolutions to govern the city. It is made up of five elected officials that represent the wards in which they reside, and councilmen are elected to two-year terms. The mayor is elected from among the council members by vote of the city council. City council meetings are held at 7 p.m. two Mondays per month in council chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on AT&T or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Good evening and welcome to our October 10th, 2022 meeting of City Council. Please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Lacey, will you please call roll? Honorable Mayor Donker. Here. Councilman Brown Wilhelm. Here. Councilman Wasbinski. Here. Councilman Arnoski. Here. Councilman Hall. Here. All right, thank you. Does anyone on council have a conflict of interest with anything that's on this evening's agenda? No, Madam Mayor. Okay, then no. seeing none, we'll move on to the consent agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There'll be no separate consideration of these items unless a citizen or council member so requests during the discussion stage of the motion to adopt the consent agenda as indicated. If there's even a single request, the item will be removed from the consent agenda without um, further discussion and considered in its listed sequence in regular fashion. Um, if, can we have a motion to approve the consent agenda? So moved. Second. Yeah, first and second. Would anyone from council like an item removed from the consent agenda? Okay, seeing none, would anyone from the public like an item removed from the consent agenda? All right, seeing none, then all in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0. All right, that takes us down to item number three. And this evening we have one public hearing. Let's, let me just briefly talk about how our public hearing works. We'll first have a presentation from staff um, regarding the topic. Once that is done, um, we will um, let council ask any questions. Once council have asked questions, will then open the public hearing. If you have a comment to make, you can come up, stand on the blue mat, you address council, please state your name and address. It's, I just should say it's not a back and forth conversation, it's really the opportunity for us to hear what your thoughts are on that. Um, once that's done, um, and people have an opportunity to speak either for or against um, the item, we'll then close the public hearing and then it's our opportunity to deliberate on that. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Mr. Kane. Thank you, Mayor Docker, members of council. Uh, 
First public hearing, your only public hearing this evening, is on conditional use permit number 77. This is a request from the Legacy Center for Community Success to establish a nonprofit center at 2417 Abbott Road. Subject property is located in the Residential B Multiple Family District. The applicant's proposal is to establish a nonprofit social service agency. Nonprofit social service agencies are classified as conditional land uses in the Residential B Multiple Family District, which brings this request forward to you tonight for approval. Subject property is located just north of the intersections of Abbott Road and East Lawn Drive. Zooming in a bit, the site was most recently used as a Lutheran church. The church that occupied the building has since merged with another Lutheran church in the community and has left the building vacant. Uh, the um, Center for Success Legacy Center has uh, thus entered into an agreement to occupy the building for their purposes, moving their center from its current location on James Savage Road. Subject property is located in the residential B zoning district. Properties to the east and west are also zoned residential B. Properties immediately to the north of the subject property are zoned RA4, one and two family residential. Immediately to the south is neighborhood commercial. Future land uses largely reflect the zoning in the area. We have commercial to the south, high density residential to the east and west, and medium density residential to the east and north. I'm sorry, the west and north. The applicant's site plan is on the screen. The applicant's not proposing to do any significant site work with this proposal. Um, however, they are uh, intending to add a sidewalk connection from Abbott into the property, as well as to add a bicycle rack. The applicant has met all applicable provisions and setback standards of the zoning district for the residential B zoning. The site plan is compliant with all standards contained in section 2706A. And as I mentioned, the applicant is proposing only two site changes, the addition of a bicycle rack and a four-foot sidewalk connecting the building to the public sidewalk. There are existing wooded areas to the north and west, which provide adequate screening from the adjacent residential properties. The site does include 50 parking spaces currently, including two barrier-free parking spaces. The proposed use as a nonprofit service center does not have a specific parking requirement. However, the existing parking exceeds the minimum quantity required for equivalent office uses. Conditional land uses are subject to several discretionary standards within the zoning ordinance. Those are listed on the screen. Staff has recommended no contingencies along with our recommendation of approval of this item. We did receive one public comment, which was included in the packet. We've had no public comments during the earlier public hearing. We're at the last step of the process tonight with uh, City Council's consideration of the item and I'd welcome any questions, Mayor Docker. Okay, any questions for Mr. Kane regarding this? Okay. Thank you. We're done. Thank you. So this is a public hearing. We'll open the public hearing. Is there anyone from the public that has a comment? All right. Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing. And Lacey, will you please read the resolution? This resolution will approve a request from the Legacy Center for Community Success to approve a conditional use permit for a nonprofit social service agency located at 2417 Abbott Road. We have a motion to accept the resolution. So, second. <coughs> Any discussion? I think it's a great use, gives more space, and um, <coughs> yeah. should be supported. No, I think that, you know, um, we, we're, we're seeing more churches that mm -hmm. are being vacated, and this is a wonderful use of that property and for an area that, I mean, for a space that could be rather challenging. So I think this is yep. just working out perfect. Ready to vote? All right, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0.
Thank you, Catherine. And thanks for being here. Um, all right, now um, this is the time for public comment, for people to speak uh, on issues relevant to council business, but not on the agenda. Is there any public comment this evening? Okay, seeing none, then we'll move on to item number four, which is, um, has to, which is, it's a long one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I apologize, you got all these on the first item. Right. Okay. She will be paying for it here, good yeah. evening. So this item is uh, first reading an introduction of an ordinance that will amend uh, article, or, I'm sorry, chapter 21 of the city's code of ordinances to uh, establish rates, charges, and fees for services related to um, the city's development review process. So those rates, charges, and fees for these services as well as several other services are contained in chapter 21. At the moment, because they are uh, containing the ordinances, they do require an ordinance amendment in order to make changes to those rates, charges, and fees. Um, I would note just at the outset that there's been some internal discussion about possibly moving to a resolution-based fee schedule in the future. Um, and if that is to happen, at the next time we revise these fees, which will hopefully be sooner than 31 years from now, um, we would look to bring that forward to you in that new format. But for tonight, this is a proposed ordinance to amend the existing chapter 21 and to keep those fees in that spot. So basically in an overview, the proposed ordinance is gonna amend fees charged for things like building permits, rental housing certificates, planning and zoning applications and permits, engineering permits, and fire department inspections, permits, and services. To provide you an overview and a sense of the context in which we're making these updates, our last fee updates in these areas range from 1974 with our erosion and sedimentation control permit fees all the way to 2012 with fire services. The vast majority of the permit fees that are proposed to change fall into that 1991 to 1995 timeframe, with the bulk of those being in the building sections where there's a tremendous number of individual fees for different types of service. Staff has been talking about these fee updates for a while, um, and we decided given the fact that our work is very similar uh, in a lot of ways that it made sense for us to bring our fee updates forward together. And in talking about what those fee updates might look like, we started with talking about what the philosophy was behind our proposal. And so the first element of that philosophy was looking at how do these fees relate to the value of a dollar, especially given that our fees haven't been updated in some cases for over 40 years. Um, the bulk of these fees are well over a decade old. So we looked at inflation, um, and just by way of example, a dollar in 1991 has the same buying power as $2.18 today. So essentially, because our fees haven't changed um, for the last several decades, each year our um, services are recouping less of the cost of providing the service, and customers today are paying much less than customers in previous years did when the fees were originally set. Um, so our recommendations are generally consistent with inflation adjustment of current fees. Secondly, obviously rates, charges, and fees can't exceed the actual cost of the service, but should provide a reasonable recovery of those costs. Um, these recommendations generally recover about 75% of each service or less. Uh, and this was on purpose to recognize the fact that private property owners who file for permits or request services benefit, but the general public also benefits from the health, safety, and welfare elements of our services. So this helps to recognize that shared benefit. And finally, uh, our rates, charges, and fees, the philosophy was that they should be generally consistent with those charged by peer communities for the same service. 
And so we looked at a variety of peer communities. Um, the main ones that we utilized were the city of Bay City, Cottsville Township, Saginaw Township, and Titabawasi Township. Uh, and where we landed is most of our fees are still at or below our peers. Um, in particular, the city of Bay City, their fees are quite a bit higher in most cases than our proposed fees tonight. The township fees are generally in line or slightly higher than the fees that we're proposing. And I would just note, most of these communities charge a variety of hidden fees. So they've got a permit fee, they have a plan review fee, they have an inspection fee, they have a reinspection fee. We have historically not had that level of hidden fees in our fee structure and we're not proposing that tonight. So that would remain, our fees would be more transparent is really the goal. If someone looks in the code and wants to know what a service is gonna cost, it's gonna be really easy to figure out what that service would cost. And in fact, if anything, we sort of moved in the other direction. Some of our building permit fees broke things down by, you know, you're paying per connection of pipe and vents for a toilet. So you might pay a fee for the fixture, for the venting and for the piping. We've largely tried to bundle those fees together so that if you're just wondering what's it gonna cost for this project, it simplifies staff's effort to calculate the fees, but it also makes things more transparent for the customer. Timing, so with any fee adjustment, especially when it has to do with development services, we know that contractors may have existing bids out there. In our current environment, for the most part, our contractors are not bidding work out beyond 30 days. Uh, we even see occasionally folks bidding things out with a seven day turnaround time to accept the bid because costs are so unpredictable at the moment. To give people time to integrate these fees into their proposals and to just kind of get ready for what's coming as well as to allow us to update our backend software to accept the new fees, we're proposing an effective date of January 1, 2023. The proposed updates to chapter 21 include some new fees, uh, which are outlined on the screen. Uh, for the most part, these are existing services that the city of Midland already provides, but that we do not capture any cost recovery on. Um, and again, going back to the philosophy, we felt if the, unless the ordinance specifically said there was no fee charge for a service, we felt like to provide parity across the entire fee structure, we should be um, expecting the same amount of cost recovery for each type of service we offer. We do, however, have some fees that we've proposed to remove. Um, some of these are supplemental permit fees. So for the building trades, uh, we have a supplemental permit fee that's existed in the uh, chapter 21 for a long time that we just simply um, don't charge because for 99% of projects, it's just not needed. Um, we've proposed to remove reinspection fees. So to give folks an opportunity to have us come back out and do that second inspection, uh, because frankly, charging for a reinspection can often, often be a hurdle to get people to apply for the permit in the first place if they think they're gonna get nickeled and dimed on the inspection. Or we feel as staff that we're more likely to get compliance and get those final inspections completed if we don't charge for the second inspection. We've removed the annual industrial building permit. We're actually not allowed under state law to charge that fee. Um, and so we haven't been charging that fee, but it still shows in chapter 21. So we're proposing to strike that with this update. Uh, we're removing our voluntary uh, building certification permit fee, which we don't currently charge. Uh, and we don't currently provide that service. And then sidewalk and curb cut permits are being uh, sort of melded into some other permit fees in the engineering section. So it's about to get exciting. Let's dive into the details. This is slide one of 700, but uh, so apologies. Uh, starting with our building permit fees, um, the way building permits are calculated is generally there's a valuation of the project and then a fee schedule that reflects that value. 
We currently have different fee structures for one and two family projects versus anything else. It's generally called commercial, but that would include multiple family projects as well. So this is starting with that one and two family process, looking at the fee schedule. So there is a proposed fee schedule in chapter 21 as uh, amended, providing a scenario just to give you an idea of the impact of the proposed valuation change as well as the proposed permit fee change using a 2,400 square foot single family home. The current schedule would value that at about approximately $150,000. Um, I say if someone will build me a house for $150,000 in this market, I will sold. I'm, I'll await that call. Um, our proposed schedule would value that property at $273,000. I will note that this is the structure itself, so this isn't the site, this isn't the value of the lot, this isn't the overall price of the home, but rather just the price of the construction of the structure. Based on that valuation, the permit fees under our current cost table at approximately $600 for this home. The new fee under the proposed schedule would be uh, $1,370. But the fee is gonna be a, a percentage or is it gonna be actual a dollar amount? In other words, is... The, so the valuation table, basically you value based on the type of square footage. So um, finished square footage, finished basement square footage, unfinished basements, accessory square footage, all have a different price point associated with them. So you would calculate that value for the proposed structure based on the actual characteristics of what's being proposed to be built. So, so the fee is based on the dollar value or is it based on just square footage? So the dollar value is calculated based off the square footage of the structure. So in this instance, if you had a 2,415 square foot home and it had an attached garage and it had an unfinished basement, all of those characteristics are gonna go into the calculation of the value and then based on the value, a permit fee is assigned. So the permit, the permit fee is gonna be on a table of um, based on the value. So if you plug in a value based on the thousandth of the value, so if the home, a home valued at $280,000 is gonna pay a higher, slightly higher permit fee than this home that's valued at 273,000. Yeah, it seems like we're injecting a, a third valuation. You've got the cost that somebody's paying to build the house you're gonna have a, an, um, an amount that we're gonna put in for tax purposes, and now you've got this third value, which is the schedule, right, if, if I understand correctly. And my thought was, why don't we just use one or the other, whatever, whatever it's gonna cost you know, the, the new owner to, to have that house built, it's gonna have a number. Sure, I mean, and essentially that's what we're doing is we're, we're trying to provide an even playing field across different builders and different levels of uh, transparency with pricing um, and to provide some consistency in the permit fees because we know the building cost itself is probably going to vary um, from project to project. Um, this provides more consistency to the contractor by having a set rate structure um, and this is a common approach across the state of Michigan. In fact, the state of Michigan promulgates their own cost tables as do other communities and we currently have our own cost table that we use here at the city of Midland. This simply updates that cost structure in a way that better reflects actual on the ground costs today. Okay, so you're basically applying a fixed dollars per square foot, depending on the garage, just, basement, one, one story, two story. Yes, sir, that's okay. correct. And it doesn't matter where you build the house, whether it's in Sturgeon, by Adams, or Bay City Road, it's 2,400 square feet. 
Correct. Mm -hmm. Now we might see different size houses in different neighborhoods, and so that right. will have an impact. Right. Uh, but no, if you built the identical home on different lots around the city, the value of the lot isn't going to have any impact. So you can okay. have a beautiful wooded lot, you might have a less than desirable lot, that's not going to factor into the valuation mm -hmm. because it's going to be based on the cost of construction. Or the permit. For the permit. This is just for the permit. Just for mm -hmm. the permit. We're not talking about what you, what you got when you're all done. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So as I mentioned, for other projects that aren't one and two family for the building permit fees, we're actually proposing to use valuation based on reported construction costs. And that's because historically in recent years, we found that those reported construction costs are pretty accurate on the commercial side um, and actually result in a, a slightly more um, favorable fee structure for the city. This is just to give you an example of a recent project that was constructed in the city of Midland, a 6,000 square foot single story office building. Uh, the contractor valued it at $1.5 million. Based on that valuation, current permit fee would be $4,500. The uh, permit fee under the proposed schedule would be just over $5,000. And the big difference here is really that because con commercial projects are valued by the contractor, those have been keeping up with inflation where our residential table has not. So you see the bigger jump on the previous set of fees because we've had to make a bigger jump in how we cost estimate for residential. As I said, right now, the way we could only wish that we could build a single family home at the cost structure we currently have on our fee calculation for one and two family residential because it's extremely low. It was very low even for the time when it was set and um, the last few years haven't been kind to it. So I don't know if that makes sense, but you're seeing this big jump here, or this smaller jump here, because valuations have been set by the contractors as they file for their permits. So those are keeping up with inflation. Do you have the ability to elaborate on what work we do with the city then? When somebody applies for a permit, do we just put it in the, put it in the drawer, or do what work do we actually do to justify the $6,000 oh. or $5,000? <laughs> yeah, so for a project like this, I mean, just on the administrative side, when somebody files a permit, um, that permit is entered into New World, which is the city's internal sort of administrative software program that anybody who's going to be a reviewer on a project, all the permits are going to be associated with in that system. Uh, together, um, we're going to have a file created for that, and then there's going to be sort of a ping out to the parties that need to review the project to start review. For something like this, we're going to have just for the building side, the um, yeah, chief, what you get for your five thousand dollars. Chief if you building inspector is going to be doing plan review for a project like this. There's probably going to be at least two iterations of plan review. Um, typically, there's markups provided um, by the city to the architect or engineer on the project. Um, that would then revise and resubmit plans. And then this is going to include all the inspections through the process. So you may have, for something like this, you're probably going to have an inspection when the site is staked, just to make sure everything is where it's supposed to be. Um, you wouldn't believe how often uh, mistakes are found at that level of the project. And then you're going to have various inspections throughout the project. So before you close in walls, you're going to have inspections on structural elements as you start to weatherproof and, and close the structure. And then all the way up to our chief building inspector being out to do a final inspection before issuing a certificate of occupancy, which is generally the basically the last step in the permitting process would be that um, green light to go ahead and occupy the building. So does that include like the electrical permits or is that something separate? Those are separate. So we'll go into the remainder of the uh, mechanical type permits, the other trades in a moment. Um, because those all involve separate inspectors that go out to do those inspections, and those are separate plan reviews as well. This is also capturing the city's overhead costs, so 
we have an inspector who goes and does all these reviews that uses a computer that drives a city vehicle to these inspections. Um, so there's a variety of overhead costs associated with providing the service as well. Site plan review? Site plan review is a separate fee. Okay. So you'll see, you'll see how hard we work in the planning department when we get to the fees, they're a little bit lower. <laughs> <laughs> so moving into electrical, um, for the trades fees, so for electrical, plumbing, mechanical, we typically will have a base fee, so this is just a flat rate that applies to every permit that's filed that captures some of those administrative costs and sort of just sets a baseline. And then there's a smaller incremental fee that's added onto that fee beyond it. So this is just a sampling to give you a sense of where those fees are currently and where they would head under the proposed amendments. New one and two family, we do charge on a per square foot basis. So this is a flat rate across a project. Currently we charge two cents a square foot for the electrical system for a new one or two family. Uh, their proposed fee structure would set that at five cents a square foot. We do occasionally get asked to do inspections outside of normal business hours and we have historically had a charge in the code to provide cost recovery for that. Um, that's currently set at $30 an hour. Um, we're proposing to set that to a more reasonable $100 an hour. And then finally, for receptacles, switches, lighting, or other outlets, when you have basically 20 of those with a project, currently we charge $10 for that on top of the base permit fee. So it'd be a combined permit of $30. We're proposing to increase that to $15 for a combined permit cost of $65. So is it $15 per extra 20, or does it just stop at 20? Um, no, that there would be an incremental cost beyond 20. Next, because that was one in one in two family. What about like if there's an apartment complex? They would fall under this commercial oh, okay. cost structure. Gotcha. So if you had a two okay. million dollar uh, multiple family project, mm -hmm. it would be um, using the, the valuation table for projects over a million dollars. You would look um, calculate the fee from there. Okay. In terms of mechanical, so this is your HVAC, your heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Generally speaking, again, we have a base permit fee that's currently $20 that we propose to increase to 50. Uh, we are proposing a whole house HVAC fee. Um, currently, we have separate fees that are included in the HVAC system that add up to $54. We're proposing to um, create a whole house HVAC fee of $108. For boilers, compressor, compressors, absorption systems of a certain size, currently we charge $15. Uh, we propose to increase that to 30. And then just as another sample of a service for a gas log fireplace, currently the add-on to the base permit fee is $6. We're proposing to increase that to 12. Plumbing, very similar. Uh, base permit fee of 20, uh, increased to 50. Each, fi each fixture and piping, so I mentioned some of our current fee structure sort of breaks every little component out and those things are added together. We're proposing to just add those items together as one flat rate. So currently, for instance, to install a toilet with its piping, it's $12. With the combined fees, we're proposing a flat fee of $24 for that service. For new water heaters and vents, we currently charge $10. On top of the base permit fee, we're proposing to charge 20 and then I wanted to just make a note on replacement water heaters. Uh, replacement water heater is a fairly simple project. There's not generally new piping or venting involved. However, if you've ever followed the news, when something's installed poorly, a water heater is one thing you don't want installed wrong in your home. So staff feels very passionately that we need to 
encourage folks to pull these permits because a lot can go wrong if they're not installed correctly. What we're proposing in this case is to have a flat base permit fee for those projects because they're generally an in and out type inspection. And so staff felt that $50 more than covered the time that those typically take. So the proposed fee of zero is just zero charge in addition to the base permit fee of 50. Erosion and sedimentation control permits. So these are the permits to ensure that we keep our waterways clear of sediment that might result from construction activities on sites around the community. It helps to also keep our stormwater system clean and clear. These, if you recall from earlier in the presentation about an hour and a half ago, um, these were the fees that were set the longest uh, ago in 1974. And so these have correspondingly some of the biggest jumps in the proposed fees. Uh, currently for one and two family residential, we charge $10 an acre for erosion and sedimentation permits. We're proposing $150 plus $75 for each additional acre. For all other uses, currently it's $10 an acre and we're proposing $250 an acre plus 75 for each additional acre. This will also add fees for permit extensions. Uh, so if you're gonna extend the project beyond the first year, there'd be a half initial fee charged on top of the original permit fee. Failure to secure permits would equal the initial fee, so essentially you'd pay a double fee. And a failure to remove those controls after a project, so to remove if you've seen the, the sediment bags, and I'm sure the engineering staff screaming in the back, that's not what they're called, but the bags <laughs> that keep sediment for going into our uh, storm sewer system or the fencing that might go around a project, uh, we do want that removed timely when the project's completed. Failure to do that will result in another half of the permit fee plus the city's cost to remove. Rental housing. Currently, uh, we charge $20 per unit for the two-year rental certificate that rental houses uh, must obtain in the city of Midland. We're proposing to increase that to $75 per unit plus $35 for each additional unit. So if you had a fourplex, you'd be paying $75 plus 35 times three for that inspection and rental certificate. And that is per two year period. So these fees essentially in half would be the annual cost. For rooming houses, so those are houses that have a higher occupancy, often associated with a college or university. We currently have a flat rental certificate rate of $20 for all units. Uh, we're proposing a $100 rental certificate rate for the rooming house because they're simply just a different type of inspection. Um, we do uncover occasionally some more challenging um, housing licensing issues with those and they are a little bit different than a typical single family home even though they are one unit and so this hundred dollar proposed fee recognizes that difference reinspection fees per unit same as what the initial inspection would cost um, and this is essentially going to be after that first reinspection so when we get into the second or i'm sorry the second third and fourth reinspection we'd begin to charge these fees again with the intent of creating a incentive structure essentially for folks to get licensed, but also to make their improvements timely before a reinspection so that we don't have staff making multiple return trips to the same address. And then for folks who desire to use our Housing Board of Appeals for any appeals issues related to our housing licensing code, that fee is currently $25. We propose to increase that to 125. Moving on to engineering, uh, in the sewer category, we have a variety of connection charges for our sanitary and storm sewer, as well as a combined permit fee for new construction. So if somebody making new taps into both systems associated with the project does currently get a discount on that and would under this as well. 
um, generally speaking, because we'll probably have one trip or fewer trips out when we have those taps taking place on the same site at approximately the same time. Uh, for the most part, these fees are in the low 100s today. We're proposing uh, anywhere from a $200 fee for a sanitary sewer residential connection up to a $700 combined fee for uh, sanitary and storm sewer for commercial projects. On stormwater for the actual permitting of stormwater for a project, so this is those uh, detention or retention basins on site, any structures, underground stormwater containment on a project. For five acres or less, we currently charge $150. We're proposing a $250 charge for that permit. For projects more than five acres, we'd look to add $50 per acre for those extra acres. Any additional plan reviews, so when the, um, what often happens, uh, all too often, is that a project comes through the process and it's oriented in one way and then there's some major changes. We're still working on the same project, but the changes are substantial and it essentially requires staff to re-review um, the stormwater permit in its entirety. We'd look to increase that additional plan review fee from $50 to 100. Any additional inspections, we would go from 30 to $50. The certificate, which is basically the ongoing inspection for the uh, stormwater facilities to make sure that they're maintained in accordance with the, the original plan and permit. Those are currently $60 for five acres less. We'd propose to raise that to 100. For more than five acres, it would be $75 plus 15 per acre, $100 plus 25 per acre under the proposal. For streets, uh, in terms of street opening, uh, residential, commercial, if you recall, I discussed the sidewalk and curb cut fees that were eliminated. Those are essentially rolled into a street opening permit fee, um, which constitutes essentially the same service. Currently, we charge $60 for that residential street opening. The proposed fee is $250. For commercial, the same. We charge currently $150. The proposal is $250. For right-of-way permitting, we don't currently have a fee. The proposed fee for that service would be $100. And staff is also recommending a right-of-way deposit, which would be refundable. They would enable us to address any um, damage that might occur due, due to work in the right-of-way, and that would be at $2,500. And then we do charge an annual public utility permit fee um, to folks that have are doing work on public utilities that are located in the city's right-of-way. That's currently set at $2,000. The proposed fee would be $3,000. Can you give, just give me an example of that? I mean, I think I ha might, might have one, but who's going to use this right-of-way permitting? Like, would consumers be using that right now by any chance? Sure. That would be a, like a gas company, a uh, internet or telephone company. Um, obviously, the city also has utilities in the right-of-way, and we don't charge ourselves this fee um, for those uh, water, uh, stormwater, sanitary sewer lines that we run in the right-of-way. But for the other utilities that do use our right-of-way, um, they would pay this fee as part of those projects. Okay, so what if someone was building like a project on Main Street and they wanted to park their stuff, you know, I mean, because Main Street's kind of tight, tight, right. And they want to park their stuff in the street while they're building because, you know, there's no other place to do that. Is that a right-of-way permit or is that a negotiated thing? That would not be a right-of-way permit. Okay. And that would not be a permit that any of us charge for, so. <laughs> Yep. So a right-of-way permit is generally going to be for work that's done in the right-of-way. So okay. if you're going to be making like an open cut in the street, something like that, that's more what that deals with than like a parking or utilization of the street for other purposes. We, we have charged the right-of-way 
deposit for that. Matt, you got to cover the back. <laughs> for the the scenario that you're bringing up here, Mayor, we have charged the right-of-way deposit for that in the past and, and kind of negotiated that on a case-by-case -case basis, but this would kind of codify that um, just so that we can replace or fix any damage that would be caused. Okay. And the right-of-way is just a street, not the outlawn? It could be the outlawn as well. So if you, if you do this work in the outlawn, that is included, That then you trigger this fee as well? Correct. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, about the only place you wouldn't see that charge would be on like a public street, or I'm sorry, a private street. So if you had a private street running through development, that's not public right away. We wouldn't be assessing a, or reviewing a permit in that case. You have a lot of these charges are by acre, but most of the city lots are less than an acre. Is that just, if you have a quarter acre lot, is it, do you get the minimum one acre charge then? You is that would. How that works? Yeah, and that's just recognizing that although that is true um, for most residential lots, for a lot of commercial projects, we do see lots that are two, three, four, and up acres. And if we had a major project, so if we had a major shopping center or a large subdivision, we would be well over that five acre limit. So it's the exception to the rule, but it does happen fairly regularly. Engineering moving costs. So this is, you know, moving structures in the right of way, use of the right of way for um, oversized trucks. Um, currently, we charge a $25 fee for per round trip within five business days. We're proposing to increase that to 50. For multiple trips within five business days, it's currently 50. We'd propose to raise that to 100. And then for an annual permit per unit or vehicle, currently we charge $100. We're proposing to increase that to 250. I guess I don't understand what this one is. <laughs> Are you talking about like trucks moving houses type exactly, thing or yep. what? Yep. Or any sort of oversized vehicle that might move like a modular home or a shed or anything like that that might require extra lane width or might require the moving of utilities or otherwise the type of thing we'd want to know was operating in the city and on our streets and when, um, particularly from a damage perspective so that we know what may have happened. So. I guess I'm questioning the annual then. I mean, because usually, okay, if you're doing the house or the mobile homes or something, you're doing a lot of moving of wires and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. If you get an annual, well then. <laughs> yeah, but if you're you know moving modular homes, you may be moving them through the city of Midland, but not necessarily to the city of Midland. So if you're doing that on a weekly or biweekly basis, it may make more sense for everyone involved to have an annual permit. Yeah. That's how it's currently structured. Really? I mean, do you ticket them if you say, oh, that person shouldn't be on our street with that? I'll defer to Mr. Lemon. <laughs> the mayor's moving business. Well, Lots of pick up. I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, if we can notice that or, or catch that, yes, we, we certainly do. Um, we did re semi-recently have um, an issue where we, we found one that did not have the proper permits um, as they were proceeding through a, a construction zone. So we did go through that process and, and find and, and ticketed them. Okay. News, new to me. Thank you. You're welcome. Engineering gets to have all the fun. I guess that angle just seems low. If, yeah. I guess it depends on what you need. Yeah. So with wires, that seems not, you know, right. every time. But if you, if you just pass them through. That's true. All right, thank you. Mm -hmm. 
Moving on to the fire department, uh, for safety inspections uh, per hour, we generally uh, currently don't have a charge established on the code. The proposed uh, inspection charge per hour with a one hour minimum, which would include one reinspection, is $75. Any sub subsequent reinspections, so this would be reinspection number two, three, and four, currently is $50 uh, for that first uh, reinspection, $100. From there, we're proposing $75 per hour for those subsequent reinspections. And then for food trucks, this is a new fee for those annual inspections uh, proposed at $75 per hour, including one reinspection. Yep, it'd be any mobile mobile food vendors. They do go through fire inspection processes since it's essentially a mobile commercial kitchen. So where do they go for that inspection? I'll defer to the fire chief on that. Oh. He's, he's dying to get up here. <laughs> yeah, and while you're at it, though, the other question is per hour. I mean, yeah, how long does it take that... to go through a truck? Shouldn't it be just a flat seventy-five bucks? And so it should only take an hour, just depending. Um, just closer. Should only take an hour, uh, just depending. I just kind of left that open, and we're not inspecting them currently. So food trucks are relatively new in the last, newer to this area in the last probably three to four years. We've been working regionally with this, trying to figure out a way to get in and make sure that their commercial hoods are up to date, that they're putting correctly, that they're getting the annual maintenance on them they should. And so this would just allow us to inspect it. Our plan would be to bring them right to our station one at the beginning of the year, do the inspection, we put a tag on them, and then they're good for the year okay. at that point in time. A um, little bit later, I'll kind of head this off now, there's a $25 operational permit. And what we did with that is, um, if you went to Saginaw Township and got your inspection done, we would accept that and just charge 25 to, mm. to operate the city then. Um, and then they're gonna reciprocate that. If they see our tag, then they're gonna do the same thing. So, so the, to Steve's question, I was asking, gonna ask the same question. Why per hour instead of just a flat rate? I would just try to keep it consistent all the way through. Everything else is per hour for us. So, and you're right, I doubt we're ever gonna go over in an hour. I guess you just never know. So. so it's minimum though, 75? Minimum 75, yep, okay. for, that, for that inspection. Really big food truck. Yeah. We'll get a moving charge on that one too. <laughs> so acceptance <laughs> testing. So this is basically the fire department's review of a building sprinkler system and fire alarm system. We currently charge a $150 fee for the sprinkler system testing, uh, for fire alarm system testing, and $100 for a commercial range hood. Uh, acceptance, the proposed fees are $175 per test for a sprinkler system, plus $100 for each additional floor of the building that has to be tested. Uh, for fire alarm, the same, and for commercial range hoods, that'd be $125 per test. Operational permits, so these are permits for activities that are going to take place within the city that the fire department needs to review to ensure that they follow the fire code. So for things like fireworks or aerial displays per event, we currently charge $95. The proposed fee is $150. And then for carnivals or fairs, um, so there's special events. We don't currently have a charge for those. The proposed charge is $250. So you set up on Saginaw Road in a vacant lot. That's a fee now. Yes. So like if you were selling fireworks around well, the 4th of July, so you have rides or something. Like at the happens. mall every spring. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yes, 
And that's kind of a combination. So a fair would include the Midland County Fair. And currently we charge a tent fee for all their tents out there. We're just kind of trying to bring that all into one fee, one time pay for that. Um, and I would say that's gonna be 99% of the time the fair. Um, every now and then we get the local ones that come to like a, a shopping market, a shop, like the Midland Mall parking lot or something like that. But we haven't seen those very, as often the last couple of years. So. So is it normal for them to check each city they go to to see, you know, what permits are needed? How would yes. they know if yep. they haven't had to pay them before? Nope, they normally check, and then we're also, we're out so much that if we see you start setting up, we're going to stop by. Just make sure they understand the permit process, work with them to get it done so that they come in and get all the permits they need. I believe, is there a special event for those two permit through planning? So there's a couple different steps they got to go through. For plan review fees, so these are part of the development review process for new construction or remodel under the fire code. We currently charge $90 per hour. The proposal is one cent per square foot of building area with a $100 minimum permit fee. So just a $10 increase from the current base permit fee uh, for that fire code review, uh, but based on a per square foot. And for sprinkler systems, we currently charge an eighth of a cent or eight tenths of a cent rather per square foot uh, with a $250 minimum. Uh, the proposed fee is $275 for up to 100 heads within the system, and then $1 per head over 100. So on that first one, we're going to a per hour to a flat fee then, correct? We'd be going from a per hour to a per square foot. Per square foot flat yes. fee, yeah, okay. Fire alarm detection systems currently charging $90 per hour. The proposal is $100 uh, for up to 20 initiating devices. So basically the uh, items that are gonna detect the smoke or fire, and then $1 for each of those additional devices over 20. For commercial range hood, range hood systems, we currently charge $150. The proposed fee is 175. And just to back up and remind you, these fire department fees are some of the newest, most recently updated fees of the fees that are under consideration <laughs> for amendment. And so that's why you'll see many of the fee adjustments are relatively small compared to some of the building for permit fee changes where those fees are over 30 years old. Are these are commercial or commercial and residential? Uh, this is largely going to be commercial or multiple family residential unless someone opted to install a fire alarm or suppression system in their home, which folks do not often, but periodically choose to do. So cost recovery, so the fire department often gets called upon to be present for certain events, whether they're planned or unplanned. And so there are standby costs that are calculated based on the equipment and personnel that's used for response. Right now by ordinance, the fire chief establishes those fees, but there's not really any flat or um, guidance on how to do that. So they are uh, suggesting for medical standby, one hour minimum per hour to charge $100, and for fire crew standby, one hour minimum per hour to charge $400 an hour. For hazardous materials response uh, per hour, that would be $400. For wires down when it exceeds an hour, uh, that would be $400. And for specialized professional services, um, something kind of out of the ordinary, that would also be a $400 per hour charge. For automatic fire alarms, so this is, you know, basically uh, you get a call out based on a fire alarm 
uh, currently set by the fire chief that's proposed to be a $250 flat rate. And then for any sort of false alarm type situation during construction, demolition, or renovation, that would go to a $250 fee as well. What about times after that for false alarms? That would be per event. Okay, because you got during construction, demobilization, or renovation. I'm just saying once it's completed, you get a false alarm. So what's that, that a separate fee or? Nope, it'd be 250. What we run into a lot is a business doing a renovation and they don't cover their smoke alarms, set off the alarm, they don't put into the test and we got three trucks and a battalion chief going there. I'm just looking at a way to try to reduce those by saying, okay, contractor, if you're not willing to put it in tests, then I guess we'll charge you for our response at that point. But I did, we're not adding any charges for like medical. No, okay. nope. And these also aren't for when we go to a place for burnt food or any other type of automatic alarm. This is basically contractor or contractor driven, whether it's a fire alarm contractor or building contractor at that point in time. Thank you. All right, back to the, the best fees in the presentation tonight are those from planning. <laughs> We're all very excited about these. Uh, so these are essentially fees for service for site plan review or similar types of service uh, for applications that generally go to the Planning Commission or to the Planning Commission and City Council. So currently we do have an administrative site plan review threshold for certain projects that are relatively small in scope, generally not involving a change of use. Uh, we don't currently charge for that service. That is a very time intensive service that involves multiple folks throughout city staff in reviewing those projects. And although there is a threshold for that, the threshold is relatively high. So we do get some projects of significance through that process. Uh, we're proposing a $250 fee for that service. For site plans that go to the Planning Commission, we currently charge $150. We're proposing a fee of $400. <coughs> for planned unit developments, which go to both the Planning Commission and City Council for review and approval, we currently charge $225. We're proposing a fee of $750. For the Zoning Board of Appeals, so this would be to appeal a decision of the Planning Commission to ask for a variance or relief from the code or to ask for an interpretation of the text or map. We currently charge $125. We're proposing a fee of $400. For zoning amendments, this could be a text amendment, an amendment of the language of the code or an amendment to the zoning map. We currently charge $325. We're proposing $600 for that service. And for conditional use permits, we currently charge $225 and we're proposing a fee of $500. Most of these services do require the publication of at least two public hearing notices in the Midland Daily News, which does constitute a significant portion of the fee cost, as well as the fact that most of these projects are reviewed, not just by planning staff, but by staff from fire, engineering, building, and other departments of the city um, that all have time associated as well. Okay, with us recovering our costs that we have to pay I mean, I just, how do these compare to what these are in line with our surrounding communities? You said that in the beginning. I just want. Yeah. They're still pretty low. They're still relatively low compared, compared to, to what other communities, other communities are yeah. paying. Yeah, there are similar communities to Midland around the state that charge in the thousands for some of these services and accelerate from there based on acreage or square footage. Um, and so we're. I can say we're certainly below the city of Mount Pleasant's fee structure that was not, that was updated much more recently than the city of Midlands. Um, but we're in line or slightly below our peer communities. Well, when so. they, you know, when they compare us to Tittabawassee Township, you know, I mean, 
They're not going to choose to construct there because our fees are too high. I'll put it that way. Okay. So zoning amendment is that also for like rezoning? Yes, sir. That okay. would be both amending the text as well as the map. All right. Land discourage behavior in some way with these fees. Well, I, I don't know. I think it. You know, I think we should recoup our costs. Yeah, but I mean. I mean, we haven't looked at them in 30 years. I'm like, oh, I know, but it is a huge step. Um, so that was the question I had. So based on where we are now, we're not near the 75% recovery cost. Where are we? And are we going to revisit this more often to get us to where we should be so we can be at the 75% recovery? Well, I would say for most of these services, we're probably in the planning side falling in the 50 to 75% cost mm -hmm. recovery range. Um, we were fairly conservative in determining cost recovery, so we weren't counting paper clips. We weren't looking at every item of overhead. Um, you know, we kind of used a flat salary across, knowing that not every person on staff who reviews plans is paid the same amount. So, kind of went with a lower level of pay, just as a baseline, so that we certainly weren't overcharging. Um, and it also recognizes the fact that some of these projects differ from each other. So, not every text amendment is as complicated as another. There are certain costs that are sunk in with every project with publication, for instance, but some projects are much easier to review than others, and we don't want to charge the easy to review projects more because someone else is taking more of our time. So um, that more of our time person gets a little bit of a free ride on the back of the person that maybe gets their project through a little bit quicker or just has a simpler project from the get-go through no real fault or help of their own. Um, so your question, though, the second part of your question, um, certainly our intent is to bring these fees back to you sooner than 31 years from now. I won't um, be here 31 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hopefully won't be either, but the, uh, our intent would be to bring them back in regular order probably within the next year or two just to keep those fee increases in the future much more minimal mm -hmm. um, or reflective of inflation or other conditions that might arise over time due to just changing practices out in the construction industry okay good yeah, i mean I, I just i'm reacting a little bit to I mean we, we talk about conditional use permit this evening you know which was kind of a no-brainer in terms of just the way we discussed it and approved it Seems a little unfair to charge for that. When it's, it's a it's a result that we all like to see. Uh, we had the same thing last meeting with Stonegate, where you know that the zoning was screwed up in my mind, at least, where you know people are having to, to get a conditional use permit to put a house in an area that's clearly residential street. And we're going to see it again with uh, putting on a three season room. The fees don't seem appropriate in, in certain circumstances, and that's what I'm trying to get my head around here as you kind of walk through some of these things sure certainly on the planning side i would say that some of that issue can be fixed by amending the text of the code and so i think around the same time we would hope to bring these fees back to you for their next revision hopefully we will also by that time have some text revisions to the ordinance that might address some of those issues because frankly if there's a service we're providing that doesn't serve a purpose if everyone feels like why are we seeing this then in probably is a good time to look at the code and see why. And maybe we shouldn't be seeing it. Maybe it should be a use by right or a process that is more streamlined for certain services. But for the most part, you know, the, the three seasons room example in our residential B is the exception to that rule. Most of the conditional land use permits that the city of Midland's gonna see are gonna be for uses that we really do wanna have some scrutiny on to make sure that they fit their context. Um, 
before you know, they're The question is whether we have the ability to weigh them in certain circumstances, too, would be something to consider. Well, I think, you know, when you wave, who do you wave it for? Oh, I wave it for you because you're my friend? Or, I mean, that's when it gets a little bit dicey for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, you know, well. I, we're just gonna, I'm just going to keep looking at what you propose here. <laughs> so some of the other miscellaneous fees that fall under the planning section for sign permits, we currently charge $30 for proposing a $550 fee. For temporary use permits, uh, we don't currently have a charge. We're proposing a $50 fee. For a zoning compliance permit, so this is for something like a fence or a shed, uh, we don't currently charge a fee, even though we do uh, obtain a permit and do an inspection. We're proposing a $75 flat fee, which is consistent with the base permit fees under some of those building trades areas. We do have a charge for a zoning ordinance book if one, someone wants to purchase one. We currently charge $27 for proposing $50. And for a copy of our zoning map, which certainly everyone wants displayed in their home prominently, we currently charge $5. We're proposing to charge 10 Okay. Let me ask a couple. Oh, jump back. Temporary use permit. Can you give me an example, I guess? Yeah, along the lines of the earlier conversation, that would, could be something like, um, well, something like a Halloween store occupying a building in the community that's vacant. It could be something like a okay. fireworks tent. Okay. or similar that's going to locate in a parking lot or on a vacant lot within the city. And then the zoning compliance permit, you said like shed or is that like fencing also? Or? Yes, that'd be like a residential fence or shed, uh, like smaller accessory building, some of those really uh, small scale square footage wise projects that don't trip a site plan review threshold. So would that be included with the inspection of that also is that included in the fee yeah so that would be a flat rate so if you were installing a residential fence for example it'd be a 75 dollars permit charge and that would cover the whole project all right so with the temporary use permit is that good for 30 days 60 days when when does temporary get cut off that's a good question i don't know that answer off the top of my head i think we should have some boundaries around that what temporary if we don't. I agree. So just for clarification, so the temporary provisions are included in the zoning ordinance and the permits are issued in accordance with those provisions in the zoning ordinance. So as uh, Jacob's indicated, one of the things we can do if we're not satisfied with those standards is actually to update the ordinance. Mm-hmm. That said, every time we issue a temporary permit included in that <coughs> are the times during which it can operate. So whether it be okay. three days a week, three months, mm-hmm. uh, those are always called out in the permits. Okay. In the zoning ordinance book and map, those are available online, right? For they free. Are. Yeah, and this is, you know, uh, kind of a relic of the times before that was the case. Although, in my experience, you do often have folks like a law office or somewhere where they might want it in their library, mm-hmm. where they'll actually request to have a hard copy and keep that up to date. Okay. In terms of public comments, we haven't received any public comments on this so far, but I did want to note that the chief building inspector and myself did attend the Home Builders Association's board meeting in September to discuss this uh, pending fee update. They had previously been engaged by the chief building inspector and my predecessor on this issue a few times a few years ago. Um, so they were fully aware that it was coming. Um, there was no complaint or issue taken with the uh, overall <coughs> philosophy presented tonight in terms of the new fee structure. Um, I would also note one of the things I have found kind of interesting going through this process of looking at our fees is some of our inspectors have actually reiterated, kind of indicated that they've had companies actually tell them 
that it's silly how low we charge yeah. for permit fees, that they can't believe we haven't increased our fees. So generally speaking, when your customers are telling you they should be paying you more, it's a good sign <laughs> that it's time to at least take a look at your fee structure. For tonight to give first reading to the proposed ordinance, a three-fifths vote is required. Okay. This will come back to city council for second reading and potential adoption at your meeting on the 24th. And with that, I welcome any questions. All right, any questions for Mr. King? I think the only other, it's more common question probably, but it's when you charge things by the hour, it seems there you're more likely to have a dispute between the person paying for it and the city. And to the extent we can have some certain, you know, probably like the inspection of the food truck is one example. I think you just go, it's 75 bucks. Realistically, it's not gonna take more than an hour, probably take less than an hour, frankly. But anything like that where we can say, here's the number, and you don't have this, and you don't have to have the worry about somebody keeping time. I arrived at 12, you know, 1234 and left at, you know, 115 or 145, and therefore I went to the next two minutes and that kind of stuff. You know, clearly some of the bigger projects, the hourly is gonna be the only way to do it. But where we can, I think focusing on a flat fee is probably gonna save staff time in the long run. Good point. The Zoning Board of Appeal, <clears throat> um, what was some of the, what are some of the costs on that, I guess? Because that seemed like that was kind of a big jump and that's kind of a, a secondary, I mean, that's their chance to appeal something if something goes wrong. And what did they leave? Sure, so <laughs> they still pay the fee, just like you pay for an approval or a denial. Um, the Zoning Board of Appeals fee is going to recoup just like any like site plan that goes to the planning commission, there's gonna be an advertisement charge. With the okay. Midland Daily News, there's gonna be mailing costs to mail notices to property owners in the vicinity. Um, we're gonna have obviously the cost of holding the meeting and staff's review of the project. It's generally gonna be the same reviewers that would review a site plan or other projects. So you're gonna have engineering staff, um, other public services staff, planning staff, building staff, taking a look at the proposal um, that all kind of gets wrapped into that and that set of charges. So that's why uh, going back to that fee, that fee is comparable to the site plan review fee right. because it's basically the same type of service that we're providing. And like the site plan review fee, it's one of the fees that's over 30 years old. So just on an inflation basis, um, folks that are applying for those services today are paying much less than the folks that applied back in 1991 when the fee was set. Right. Any other questions for Mr. Kane? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Any comments from the public? Okay, Lacey, will you please read the resolution? This action gives first reading to an ordinance to amend Chapter 21 of the Code of Ordinances to update rates, charges, and fees for services provided by the Building, Engineering, Fire, and Planning and Community Development Departments. Can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So move. Second. Okay, second. Any discussion? More discussion? Yeah, I mean, we've pretty much had a lot of discussion and everything. Yeah, so it's a long time in coming. I think we're doing it. It looks like the philosophy that they've chosen to do it um, makes sense. So I'm supporting it. A lot of work put into it and um, hope we stay on top of it versus 30 more years before there's an update. Yeah, my assumption is that the next review that they'll be doing it'll be more based on, okay, this is how much it's costing us and everything like that. But I think this is kind of like an overall philosophy of, okay, let's 
get something for our money right now and everything. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be more spot on for ba future a baseline. endeavors. Just here's we're setting the baseline now. Mm -hmm. Right. To where it should be. Anything else? All right, then all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 5 0. All right, that takes us down, down to item number five, which is the master plan update. Mr. Kane. Donker. My goal tonight is to make you very tired of hearing from me, so <laughs> hopefully it's working. This is my last item tonight, and this is just to provide City Council and the public with an update on the Midland City Modern Master Plan process. Just to step way back, 5,000 foot view, purpose of a master plan is intended to look into the future. In this case, generally speaking, we've set a target of looking 30 years into the future, so about the middle of this century. Master plans set long-range policy goals, objectives, and strategies that are aligned with the community's vision for the future. So what, is, what do Midlanders want to see in the year 2050, and what types of work do we need to do between now and then to help that vision come to life? Under Michigan law, the Planning Commission is the body that uh, leads this process, and they ultimately vote to uh, adopt the master plan. But City Council is uh, very much integrated into that process, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. You may recall back in November of 2021, City Council received a major update on the process uh, with the conclusion of the phase one which was at that time called Imagine It. And so this, the intent of phase one was to get a big picture vision of the future of Midland to take the data that was collected and to sort of evolve that into what the major themes are of what the public's looking for. Some of the ways that the public was engaged during phase one were through public surveys. So we had two public surveys through eCity Hall as part of the city modern master plan process, as well as two that occurred sort of on a parallel track for the parks and recreation master plan update. There were five Midland Moves events. So these were events out in the community, walking, traveling around the community, interacting with folks to collect feedback, primarily on the transportation system, but not only. And there were 23 separate stakeholder meetings. And on the basis of those events, there was an estimate that there were about 2,700 participants through those events in phase one. So the themes that were reported out to you in November of last year from phase one were these three major focus areas, neighborhoods and livability, transportation and mobility, and sustainability and resiliency. So that's where we were in November of last year. It's now October, 2022. I know everyone's anxious to get moving with the next part of this process. And so staff together with the Planning Commission reviewed a proposed work plan for the remaining phases of the city modern process at their uh, meeting on September 27th. And I wanna just real quickly run through that. So the purpose of this work plan is, and ultimately for the project, is to establish goals, objectives, and strategies that'll guide the city's future policy development during the planning period to create a new future land use map. So I know we've had some recent conversations about our future land use map as it currently exists. So this project will include re-envisioning that future land use map to align with future zoning in the community. We'll be creating a new future transportation map. So this is really thinking about the transportation system across the city and what that's going to look like in the future. It's gonna integrate ideas from other city planning documents. So we have a lot of plans, most communities do. Uh, we don't wanna ignore those plans. We don't wanna throw them out. We're not looking to replace them. So we're gonna be looking at how these documents interact. 
And then finally, one thing that we're proposing to do in this work plan is to conduct a zoning audit and stress test. So really talking about our zoning ordinance is about the same age as our current master plan dating back to 2005. So doing a zoning audit to say in what areas does our zoning ordinance need improvement? Are there items that aren't covered in the zoning ordinance that have maybe emerged since 2005 that we haven't quite caught up with yet? And then the stress test component is to really look at what types of development does the community say they want in the community and can you build it? So let's actually test the code and see where those hurdles are to getting the types of development that you wanna see. And I can assure you in any zoning ordinance, there's always those hurdles and things change. And so this will be a process for us to really get a sense of where we're at with the zoning code and to have some solid recommendations for moving forward with that after adoption of the plan. So similar to our approach to fees, one of the things we started with was what's the philosophy here? So what do we want to accomplish? So first work plan objective for these next phases of the master plan process was ensuring ongoing authentic collaboration with the community and key stakeholders through a visible, accessible, and engaging process. So this is gonna be the least engaging part of the process tonight, my very boring presentation. It's all uphill from here. We've envisioned, um, even though we've completed the imaginate part of the phase, we've had 27 people, 2,700 people participate, which is a great number. We know that we wanna keep the public engaged throughout the rest of the process. And so these are some of the strategies that we plan on using through this work plan. Um, the first we're really excited about is this idea of pop-up planning studios. So really taking the planning process out into the community so that we can interact with Midlanders from across all demographics, age, race, income, and abilities. Um, folks who wouldn't ordinarily engage in our processes, folks that perhaps have no idea what planning is or what a master plan is, to really have those sort of uh, authentic, unplanned engagements with folks so they know what the process and they can provide feedback. Um, I'll be talking a little bit more in a second about the first couple of those studios that we have scheduled out um, for the next few months. Second, we're gonna continue to use our eCity Hall platform as a way to engage the community and get feedback as we draft the goals, objectives, and strategies, as we begin talking about the future land use and transportation maps, and also ultimately on the draft plan. And one of the things that I'm excited about that we've talked about with our communications staff is how can we use that platform in a way that enables people of a variety of levels of engagement to participate. So I know if someone invited me to take a 45 minute survey about planning, I would, I would be on my phone immediately, dropping everything, ignoring the kids. I'd wanna do that. I know most folks don't wanna do that, um, frankly, and we want input from everybody. And so we're looking at a way to let kind of the super engaged folks that are really passionate about planning or a particular issue to really take their time and give us all the feedback they want. But if you're somebody who's waiting at the doctor's office with your kid and you've got three minutes and you do wanna be engaged, we're looking at a way to provide that option for folks too. So are you see, seeing that up, the pop-ups as the only option for people who are not really tech savvy or have access to technology? No, so the other thing, kind of a more traditional approach to in-person public engagement would be our open house format. So we're looking to also do that around the community. At a minimum, we were anticipating three open house events. At a minimum, we'd like two of those to be out of City Hall. So we're thinking about different venues that we could utilize that would be, again, more likely to have chance encounters with the average Midlander than perhaps here in the chamber, uh, but also to provide folks that are perhaps more analog than digital in their approach to communication to, to engage with us. And then finally, we have amazing communication platforms here at the city of Midland, and so we're planning on utilizing those to their fullest. 
to make sure that folks know about the process and all the opportunities for them to be involved, as well as us for to report out and to be really transparent. We also have a project website and I'm very excited about that too because that's a great way for us to be really transparent about the work that has taken place and where we're headed so that folks can always stay up to date on where, where things are headed. So the second objective was to build on current and past planning initiatives and public engagement. This is just a sampling of some of those recent plans. So obviously we have a current master plan that was updated in 2018, so we've got some good information there. We've got running the gamut from our Parks and Recreation Master Plan to the Urban Three information that was presented to Council and the Planning Commission this summer, um, down to some of the work that's underway on the riverfront, Ashman and Rod Corridor and the Fire Department study. We plan on looking at how we can integrate the lessons learned and kind of contemporize some of the older plans to this planning process and how can we integrate some of the emerging plans into it as well. Leveraging outside resources to provide greater depth and breadth to the plan. So we uh, know that we can't do everything internal. We don't know everything and uh, we don't have time to do everything. And so we've looked at opportunities where we can leverage some outside supports to make this plan even better. Um, I wanna highlight two. One is um, the city was selected to engage in the uh, Electric Vehicle Smart Communities Program. And so this is a Michigan Municipal League program that's really designed to get Michigan ready for electric vehicles. That's one of those things when I talked about the zoning audit and stress test, you know, our zoning ordinance adopted in 2005 doesn't really respond and discuss electric vehicles and some of those needs. So this process we're excited about because that's one of many ways that we can prepare ourselves to be EV smart. And then, as you all know, we're currently engaged in the Redevelopment Ready Communities Program. And with engagement in that program, in addition to learning about best practices and, and aligning our processes with those best practices, you also have opportunities periodically to participate in extra programs. And one such opportunity came across our desk recently, which was this Resilient Communities Pilot Program. So RRC, uh, they've developed a Resilient Ready, uh, Resilient Communities um, forget exactly what it's called, but they basically have a document of best practices around that. And they created this pilot program to really get folks to use it and implement it. Um, we were selected along with the city of Marquette to be one of two cities in the state of Michigan participating. And we know that sustainability and resilience is really high on people's interests. That came out really strong in the imaginant phase of the project. And so we're hoping that this is gonna provide us with great guidance and feedback on how to implement resilience strategies into the new master plan. And then finally, creating momentum for plan implementation. So a plan that sits on my bookshelf in my office does absolutely nobody any good, uh, other than maybe the bookshelf industry. So we want a plan that is going to be implemented, that's gonna be realistic, and that people are excited about. And I think that's the most important thing, is we want folks to be excited about what the City Modern Master Plan says, and to really hold us all accountable collectively to implement the plan. So to that end, as we move into the work plan, none of this is gonna happen without doing some work. And so the Planning Commission intends on hosting discussions on the plan throughout the process uh, with special meetings scheduled for 6 p.m. ahead of their regularly scheduled Planning Commission meetings. These essentially fall on a monthly basis. The first of those special meetings will be this coming, uh, it'll be two weeks from tomorrow on October 25th at 6 p.m here in the chamber, again, with the intent of being really transparent, letting the public watch those videos, uh, participate in that process, and, and be aware of what's going on. 
In terms of anticipated adoption timeline, I mentioned councils involved in the process as well as the Planning Commission. And so based on the work plan we've laid out, we expect that we will bring a draft plan to the Planning Commission in June of 2023 um, for their review and comment. Uh, upon their acceptance of the draft plan, they will make a referral to City Council. And City Council under state law has the authority to ultimately decide whether or not to release that draft plan for public comment. Under the uh, Planning Enabling Act, that's a 63-day public comment period. And so if that is released in July, that puts us to approximately September for the end of that public comment period and the ability for the Planning Commission to consider adoption. We are hoping that we can be completed with this planning process and in adoption before the end of next year. So those upcoming events. So we're excited to get things really going with the first of our two planning studios. Uh, the first is on October the 19th. Starting at 4.30, we're gonna be having essentially a downtown bar crawl to get people excited about talking about Midland's future. So if you're not digital, but you like beer, or maybe you are digital and you like beer, um, you can meet us at Witchcraft starting at 4.30 and we're gonna be progressing to a couple other establishments in downtown Midland just as a casual opportunity to talk about the future of the community. For those of you who are more caffeine oriented, on Wednesday, November 9th, the day after election day at 7 a.m., we're gonna be at Coffee Chaos on North Jefferson. So we're excited about that, uh, chatting with people on their morning commute, uh, morning caffeine run, and uh, get a pulse on where they wanna see the community head in the future. We're gonna be bouncing these events all over the community. So I will say, these are the two we have set. If anyone has any suggestions, a place you'd like us to come and get feedback, and maybe you feel like you know nobody ever comes here to hear us, um, we're happy to integrate that either as a pop-up studio or as a separate event or meeting opportunity as well. Open houses in the E City Hall surveys will start in January of 2023, so that'll just give staff and the Planning Commission some time to get some preliminary goals, objectives, and strategies drafted so that the public has something substantive to begin reacting to. Your resolution tonight receives the work plan and tells me to sit down and stop talking. And I welcome any questions, Mayor Donker. Any questions? I don't have any questions. I have a comment, though. Um, because we had a walking challenge over the summer where we were out talking to various residents in the community. And there are two areas that feel that they're never asked their input on things. And I would say the Bay City Road area, Science City, um, in that corridor. And then um, down in Midtown would be another. Great. I will tell you, those are two geographies that are on our pop-up studio list. Good. Just exact date and location mm -hmm. to be determined. Okay, perfect. I appreciate that. And then the, the means by which you're going to notify the community about where these pop-up things are going to be held. I mean, obviously, you just talked about two here, but in the future, how is that going to be communicated? I would anticipate we'll use all of our typical city communications platforms as well as the city, uh, MidlandCityModern.com website, um, which I should have mentioned, so I'll put that plug in, MidlandCityModern.com. That's the website for the project, so we'll have that calendar of events updated. All the information about the project will always be kept there as well as through the city's other communication mediums. Yeah, I think the, the, the challenge always in these things is trying to get a broad as broad a audience as possible and so you get you know sometimes what you find I think is that 
you have the same people focused who are tuned into these things and they comment and then there's a whole lot of people that are completely clueless because sure. you didn't go knock on their door and tell them about it. And that's really why we're trying to use the pop-up planning studios as a way to kind of force our way into people's lives for lack of a nicer way to say it. We're going to be different times of day, different places around the community knowing that if you know not everyone has seven o'clock on Monday night free to come to City Hall. Um, not everyone is a morning person or can get around town. So we want to be places where people will come across us without necessarily having to plan to do so. I just, it'll be interesting, I will say, for us to see how it plays out. But I would anticipate, for example, with the uh, pop-up studio at Coffee Chaos, that the vast majority, if not almost everyone we interact with there will likely be someone who found us because we were there, not because they sought us out. Okay, I guess I have a couple things. One, you know, we had, in the past, the city you know, came up with this meeting in a box thing. And um, I think for some, it, Way, in some ways, it's a great way to get a book club activity. Um, I used it with my boards that I was on, and that was part of our board meeting was to talk about you know things. Um, but I think that that you know that is something that I think we can continue to use to for smaller you know venues. I think you know the challenge I think for us on council is I, I think we're on council because we really love our community and we want to be engaged. And so the question is, how do we not be? overbearing in this process how do we do what we how can we help and be how can we be engaged because it is our community too without um you know overstepping our bounds sure well i guess i would offer the same advice i offered the planning commission which is i agree i think most folks in the community are trusting the planning commission and city council to set good policy for the future of the community and so i would hope that you all are more involved than the average Midlander because you've been elected to be more involved. So if you want to participate in an event or the surveys, I would certainly encourage you to do so. If you've had feedback from constituents you want to share, we would welcome that as well. We know that you're out in the community and, and reaching different populations through your outreach as well. So we're happy to take any feedback you have to offer and we're happy to engage you in any way that you'd like to be engaged. So um, don't Please don't keep it to yourself until you're asked to release the plan draft. We would love to have your feedback any time up until that point, particularly. I think the only thing that comes to my mind is, you know, tying it into the school somehow. You know, especially coming up to the winter, you've got basketball games and you've got other things like that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what they'd be at the elementary school level, but you have those type of events where, you know, the sporting events, indoor sporting events, seems to be one of the areas where you can probably get a lot of people by just having something set up in the hallway. But if you think about things like that, there you're really going to get people who might not otherwise see you, you know, you know, and have the time to maybe spend some time while they're in a halftime or before the game or after the game. So just a thought. I mean, there is the circuit. You know, every Rotary, Kiwanis, women's group, yeah. men's group, community center. Fox. Civic Arena, Civic Arena yeah, when Civic the kids Arena, are, one. yeah, yeah exactly. that's a good <clears throat> one. Well, I will say we do intend on doing things beyond the work plan, like engaging with the service clubs. So I don't want to make it seem like those things won't happen, but these were kind of the above the normal expectation type things that we would plan to do. But just in terms of the pop-ups, I think mm -hmm. looking for where you're going to get a lot of people just happen to come there for other, other reasons, but then have a few minutes to spend with you. And, and I guess I, the communities of excellence work, 
you know, I'm sure you're familiar with that. I mean, that's one of the things is it's, it's really a great process for asking if you're hitting all the areas and what are you, what are you missing. So I would encourage you to, I know that you've presented to the, to part of that, so keep, keep that up. Okay, one last comment. It wouldn't be right for me to let you present without any sort of plan, master plan that we have. It's got to include infrastructure, that you have the infrastructure to support it, whether it be sewers, you know, or electricity, um, you know, so that we can't just plan these things and not have the underlying ability to, to, to support them. I agree, and the goal is to have a plan that uh, goes beyond the core requirements of the Planning Enabling Act to just look at zoning and land use and transportation, essentially, but to look at broader issues that face the community that may go beyond things that are typically within the city's reach but that are important to our residents. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> okay, any other questions? So is this a receive and file? Yes. Okay. Then, well, I guess, are there any comments from the public? Let me ask that. Uh, John Elson, 6106 Sturgeon Creek Parkway. Um, I wasn't going to speak tonight, but he did such a good job. I've got to say he did a good job on, the, on his talk, so all his talks tonight. But one thing I've learned in the pl planning process is um, it would help probably if you had lessons learned from the previous <coughs> plans you've already had. You know, if you already know what went right and what went wrong, it'd be easy to give that kind of list to the public because I don't think anybody knows what a master plan is for as a majority of the population. So I think what you need to have is something that you'd be focused on that when you went to one of these things, here's, a, here's our previous plans. These things went right and we're proud of that. And these things didn't go quite right. So when you have, when you have some, it, it would give something to talk about. That's all I'm trying to say. So in my opinion, you know, part of the planning process is lessons learned and that once you get to the first plan, then you have peer reviews, and then you have right scoping. So you change the plan to fit what's going to happen in the future. So it's all good, and this is, always, this is also very preliminary, but we do have some basis here to write some lessons learned. Wait, will you t introduce us at your cribbage club? <laughs> yeah, I'll <laughs> tell my cribbage club about that. Okay. I, I a great place to have, you know, a little introduction before you begin the big games. <coughs> for, for what? Well, I mean to tell them about the master plan. Well, yeah, well, I, I'm just trying to say most people don't know what it is. I, I mean, just be perfectly but, honest. But no, right, that's why I think it's, play, it's things like a cribbage club that you should go to or a book club you should go to but to, to get people, help them. But to get people talking yeah, about it, yeah. you want to have something to talk about. Yeah. You know, to tell them there's a master plan. Well, where's that? Well, it's on, it's yeah. on the website. Well, okay, you've already lost like two-thirds right there, you know? Yeah. So you at least have something to talk about, you know, when you have these uh, um, discussions. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. I'm just giving you grief, Mr. No, Olson. it's okay, and I, I appreciate it, Miss, <laughs> Miss, Mrs. Mayor. <laughs> See you later. Goodbye. Any other comments from the public? Okay. Will you please read the resolution, Lacey? This resolution will acknowledge receipt of an update on the Midland City Modern Master and Plan process. Can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So second. First and second. Any discussion? Any more discussion? All right, then. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. That passes 5-0. That takes us down to new business. Does anyone in council have any new business? 
Mr. K, you have any new business? Other than to say Happy Canadian Thanksgiving, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. All right, then we're adjourned. Thank you so much for being here this evening. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.